Hey, welcome to the Husker Cuzcast Sports Show, the official podcast of HuskerHype.com. Justin here along with the cousins Derek and Tyler. Well, the NCAA bracket has finally been released, and Nebraska is a five seed in the NIT. So guys, I gotta ask you, were we robbed or not? Derek? I could see both sides of the story. I mean, I get why they didn't put us in the tournament. I think the five seed was a little bit disrespectful in the NIT. But I can see why they didn't put us in the big dance. Right. You look at our resume, it's not there. We had our chances to win some big games. We didn't do it. We had every opportunity to finish it out, and we just didn't do it. So, I mean, I get it. Tyler. I, I think it was a complete uh, slap in the face, taking the words out of Tim Miles. Um, it, 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 we'll get to the NIT, but the NCAA tournament, I mean, you look at this. We finished the year 15-4. Uh, and four. Um, I mean, that that's a great winning streak. We were playing as well as anyone in the country. I mean, you look at some of the losses that we had, and, and I get it that you can, you know, a loss is a loss is a loss, but, you know, we lost Penn State by two on the road. We lost five, uh, by five against Ohio State on the road. We lost one against Kansas. I mean, we, we played some good basketball with some good teams. I think you're penalizing this team because of the lack of marquee matchups, but we played the schedule. Our non-conference wasn't a terrible, um, and we played everyone on our schedule. And it's not—I mean, we majority of these big teams we played on the road and we competed. I just think they got disrespected in such a way. It, it's not fair to these kids. Uh, go ahead, Derek. A lot of that's on scheduling. I mean, and that scheduling was our own fault. You know, I seen a stat today that uh, North Carolina topped the country in quadrant one. Uh, play in, in games that they played in quadrant one. They played 21 teams that were in quadrant one. Nebraska played seven, which was the lowest out of every power six conference or power five, whatever you want to go by. But it was the lowest out of any of them. And one well, of those was during the tournament. You know, I mean. Well, and I don't think it's, I mean, how is it our fault? I mean, we played St. John's, Kansas, and Creighton. Those are three quality teams in non-conference play. I mean, it's not our fault the way the Big Ten scheduling broke that How we only played the win. <laughs> touche. But, I mean, say, uh, touche. I mean, I get it. We lost some games, but I just think at the end of the day, winning should matter. And being fourth in the Big Ten should matter for something. I mean, you know, when you look at what we did over the second half of the season, we played some damn good basketball. Yeah, we lost to Michigan in the tournament, but we also beat them by 20. Um, there, there was some good basketball played in conference play. And I feel like going it, the record we did just was completely ignored and, and it was no respect. But don't you think some of those great wins in conference play down the stretch may have been canceled out by, you know, the dropping the turd against Illinois. I mean, you, you can't forget about that. Fair, fair, but okay. Then why the hell is Purdue ranked number two seed and Michigan three seed? Like the Big Ten must not have been that bad to have the four teams that made it all be five seeds or better. The fact that Nebraska didn't get in with a better record than Michigan in conference play, who was a three seed, is just per- like we beat them by twenty. We had a better conference record than them. Like that, I mean, it, didn't that kind of get erased by getting beat by nineteen in the, in the tournament though? I mean, it sure didn't hurt Purdue. Purdue still got a number two seed. Like, I just, I think that 
the the committee went out there and said, well, the Big Ten is really top-heavy. Well, we were in the top of the Big Ten. We were the fourth seed. It's just it. They're picking and choosing what they want to look at for the Big Ten. So this is a great segue to get into what we we want to talk about next time. It's like the the surprises. Now you're talking about the Big Ten right now being uh, the fourth best team being penalized and not making the tournament. But you travel out to the Pac-12 and their number two team, USC, number two in the conference. They didn't even make the damn thing. And so, yeah. Did, did some of that have to do with uh, the inve- the FBI investigation? Because Louisville didn't make it either, and they're, bi- they're a big part of that investigation. Uh, I've heard that. I, I don't want to believe – you know, I, I love conspiracy theories at all, but not when it comes down to basketball. Maybe, maybe. maybe. It, it, see, it seems a little convenient that three of the biggest teams that were brought up in this FBI investigation, all three of them didn't make it, but – Tyler, what do you think? Well, I think when you look at surprises, I mean, yeah, USC, I mean, that, that's a similar story. That, I mean, the fact that USC didn't make it was a complete joke. Um, but I think you look at the conference that it just completely overhyped. And, and I'm going to, I don't want to say steal Derek Stunder because he's been bitching about this for a month now. But how Oklahoma <laughs> made the tournament, it, it, it's, it's a disgrace. I mean, like if you're looking at a team in Basketball, the second half of the season, I would think should matter more than the first half. That's what Nebraska didn't get credit for, and I don't know how they ignored Oklahoma's second half of the season. A couple things on that. You know, it's pretty bad that even Tony Kornheiser of PTI comes out and naming Nebraska as one of the teams to get snubbed in the tournament. I thought that was pretty interesting, but... Yeah, but he's one of the few. He's one of the he few. Is to one say of the, he is one of the few. But they don't ever talk good about Nebraska on that show. So to hear him say it, I thought was pretty interesting. But you know, another team out there that just drives me nuts is Texas. Texas had an eight and ten conference record. Yet they had a tough. They had a pretty tough non-conference schedule. They played Duke, Gonzaga, Michigan. But their biggest non-conference win came against Bama, which, yeah, they're in the tournament, but should they be? I mean, there's an argument that could be made they shouldn't be in there either. And then uh, they get way too much credit for beating Oklahoma, like who, again, like you just said, they went 4-11 and in their last 15 games. I think they only won, I think you told me the other day they only won two wins in the whole 2018 so far this year. Yes. They should not be a quadrant one win at this point. Like, their RPI should be well below 50 at this point. Like, you can't lose that many games in the latter half of the season and stay in the top 50 as a quadrant one team. I, I just, my, my whole thing is I feel if Nebraska was Michigan State or if Nebraska was Duke, we would have been in the tournament. And, and I think we got crushed because we're Nebraska and Oklahoma got in because they have one of the most exciting players in college basketball. It, it, there is no reasonable way you can look at Oklahoma and say that they deserve to be in the dance. I mean, everything they did was in the first half of the season. I mean, that that it completely negates anything about conference play, the fact that they lost. And, and I get that everyone's got their, you know, their, their fixings in on the Big 12 of how great a conference it was this year. And it was a good conference, but gosh, get off of their nuts and like, it, it wasn't an NBA conference, and, and I, the fact that they made it is shocking. And then Oklahoma State got left out. It just 
I don't even I don't even know what they're looking at. Like I can't. There's nothing I can find that may, that tells me Oklahoma is a better team than Oklahoma State. Another team I didn't realize how bad it really was that they got him was Arizona State. Oh Dude, my god! Arizona State was one in five in their last games. They were eight and ten in the Pac-12. How does that team make it in over USC? And then you have yeah. teams like St. Mary's who went twenty-eight and five, sixteen and two in conference, and have a win over Gonzaga, who's like a number four seed. And yeah. can they get snubbed out? Nebraska's not the only team to get left out of this. That just irritates the hell out of me. This quadrant one, two, three, and four crap needs to either go away or they need to fix it fast because this is garbage right now. Well, you know, with this quadrant one, we, we kind of talked about this a couple of weeks ago about the quadrant one, and it sounds like a great idea on paper, you know. and uh, But then when you start looking at the stuff, it is kind of like voodoo shit, you know. Uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, what is meaningful to this committee? Is it the quadrant one wins or does it matter? Because right now it seems like it matters for some teams, but not so much for other teams. And then what, what is the committee really looking at here? Uh, Tyler, you, you go first. So so Jay Bills had a great point last night, and he says the committee – did not have to watch one basketball game with their selections. They did not have to look at one record. They didn't have to look at how anyone did. They looked on paper at a bunch of rankings, quadrant one. They probably are, but they looked at these stats and these metrics. They didn't pay attention to how teams have been playing the last couple months, who were the best 32 teams at the end of the season. They weren't looking at actually watching the games because teams like Oklahoma State would definitely not be left out. I, I, I'm biased at Nebraska. I think we've played some damn good basketball that we shouldn't have been left out either. But, I mean, there are teams that you would not have left out if you had been watching these games. Oklahoma's been terrible. I mean, it's not even like they've been this really competitive team. They've been just damn awful the second half of the season. It, it, it is the biggest bunch of bullshit for 32 teams, like how they rank this, that I've ever seen. But you know what? Here's the thing about Oklahoma. I mean, everybody knew that Oklahoma sucked. But in every uh, bracket projection that you would see out there, they were always in the tournament. They were never a bubble team. They were always in. And they kept going down and down and down. And so it, it's not a surprise that Oklahoma is in. I mean, it ultimately it is a surprise because they made it. But from all the projections out there, they were they were going to make it anyway. This has been my biggest bitch for the last month. Is you're right, Justin. They were in it. As a matter of fact, I remember watching the Oklahoma State Oklahoma game during the Big Twelve tournament, and and the announcers were sitting there talking, "Who who needs this game bigger?" And the announcer said, "Oh, Oklahoma's a lock. They're getting in. So Oklahoma State needs this win bigger than better than Oklahoma does." And I'm like, "How? You know how? I figured it out." Because they got Trey Young, who is a top player, and they want him in the tournament to see what he's going to do. Because they know they're not going to see him in the tournament next year. Yeah, yeah you're you're right. I mean, you're absolutely right. It, it, it is preposterous that they made it. Um, I mean, you just, I mean, you look at down the stretch for Oklahoma, and they lost by like twenty points to Baylor. They lost by thirty points to Kansas. Um, I mean, it, it just it doesn't end. They, they lost by double digits to Texas at home, who, you know, 
whatever, however good that win that is. I mean, double digits to Texas Tech. I mean, they just they lost every game, and it wasn't even close for them. I mean, their victories are terrible. I mean, I, I don't even know, like, how you base this, and I just feel like we can keep going around this circle, but, like, who was their big victory in the non-conference? Like, that's the thing is, like, okay, if you're going to judge them on the first half of the season, that's fine. They didn't beat Duke. They didn't beat a North Carolina or uh, Villanova. I, I, I looked at their schedule. I couldn't even figure out who their best victory was in the first half of the season before non before conference play started, which they got spanked in conference. It's just it, it is a joke. I don't even know how they calculated that. Okay, so they got overseeded at the ten seed, right? Which I which I completely disagreed with. Okay, so they're gonna play Rhode Island, who is a seven seed. Now, here's the sad part. Who's favored in that game, honestly? Don't look at the seeds. Who's favored in that game? I think Rhode Island is, aren't they? I would be surprised if Rhode Island was favored. I, I, I think I think there was a stat that this is, the, and I, I could be wrong, and it could have changed, but when the bracket was announced, this is the first time in however many years that no lower seeds are favored per, per Vegas. Really? Uh, is that right? Yeah. I, I, RJ Bell, I think, tweeted that out, that, or someone tweeted out that, when it opened, this is the first time that no lower seats. Now, now maybe that's a pick 'em game. Maybe okay, it's one point, and now it is. But it, it's a it's a give me game. You would think. Okay, so so let me rephrase the question. If Oklahoma wins, is that considered an upset? No. No, Oklahoma should be in a play in game. They should be in Dayton right now. They should be in Dayton right now. If no. you're going to put them in the tournament, <laughs> they should be the fifth seed in the NIT tournament. <laughs> oh. Can, can we get to the NIT? Can we go there about how we made up a fifth seed and having to basically play a road game at Mississippi State? Like, I, I, don't, I don't like to believe that I'm on a bubble here in Nebraska, but, like, how how is that a thing? How are we a fifth seed and basically playing a road game in the NIT? Like, I I don't understand it. This game should have been in Nebraska. Um, I mean, the, the, or – we should have at least not been on the road. I mean, it, it's a it's a damn travesty. Well, you know, what it shows me is, you know, all this bubble talk was just, it was bullshit, really. I mean, you, I don't know how you go from a, a bubble team to, you know, potential one, two bid in the NIT to dropping all the way to fifth. And the teams that are in front of us, are they that much better? Jeez, I, I don't know what kind of criteria they're looking at here. I think that's part of the problem is they're saying there are 16 teams better than us in the NIT tournament. For us to be a fifth seed, there's we're either the 17th or 21st team in that, in that tournament. Well, and, and, and Tim Miles alluded to this. I mean, he, he said the word slap in the face. I mean, he, he wouldn't even talk about what he felt about it. Um, you know, what, I, what I'm hoping. And these kids come out, play their hearts out, play fired up, and play disrespected. And, you know, we could actually see a run because, you know, frankly, I, I don't care much about the NIT. Unless we make a deep run in that tournament, I don't know how much of that I'll be watching. Well, for me, for selfish reasons, I hope Nebraska wins the first game, obviously. And I hope Baylor, they take care of business and beat Wagner in their first game because we're in the same bracket. Being here in Waco, I'll be able to see Nebraska and Baylor play for the second round of the NIT. So that excites me. The it's re- the little things. The rematch of the NCAA tournament. 
See if oh, Tim Miles yeah. can get kicked out of the game again. Ooh, <laughs> nice. I hope he doesn't, though. But but you, but you you did talk about the NIT, and then you look at some of the other seeding. We we talked about USC, how they were kind of disrespected. They were a number one seed. Um, Notre Dame was another team that you had taught, you had heard that they were kind of on that bubble. They got a one seed. Uh, you know, uh, Louisville. Derek mentioned I think earlier they they were two seed. Mid Mid Tennessee they were a three seed. I mean, there were some teams out there that ranked well in the bubble, and then all of a sudden. Penn State was ahead of us. Penn State, I mean, like, all these teams, I just, I, I don't know who Tim Miles pissed off. I, I think he pissed in someone's Cheerios at some point in time because it, it was a crime what they did to Nebraska in this CD. Yeah. Hey, I, I want to backtrack a little bit because we're talking about, like, the snubs. And, and you guys mentioned, like, St. Mary's. Uh, Derek, I think you mentioned St. Mary's with their 28 wins. They they were a top twenty five team. How do they you know how do they get left out? A top twenty five team gets left out because the people that watch basketball they vote. The committee apparently doesn't watch basketball or pay any <laughs> damn attention during the season. And all of a sudden, at the end of the year, they're like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to look at this stupid quad system and just pick teams out of a hat." It's it's a goddamn joke. We're apparently uh, more we're apparently more interested in getting teams with big name players in it than we are getting. It's like they're trying to take the Cinderellas out of the game. I guess well, let's talk about Cinderellas for a second. Looking at this bracket, do you guys see any? Who are the Cinderellas of this year's bracket? Every year there's a Cinderella. Everyone wants to root behind and pretend like they've been fans all year long. Who is that team to you guys that can make a you know a Sweet Sixteen run, Tyler? Uh, I like loyal. Loyola College, uh, Chicago. If I can say it, that, that that's the true definition <laughs> of a Cinderella when you can't even pronounce the school. Um, you know, I, I and, and I look at this, and it's not because I necessarily think they're they're a great team, but you look at they had a pretty good defense throughout the year, and I just like their matchup. I, I don't really think um, they're going to have a lot of struggles uh, going into it with Miami and then Tennessee. I, I, Miami, their best player got injured later in the year. I just think that they've got a road that's pretty good to be able to make a run in the tournament. Derek? I, I don't know if there is one, honestly. But I I guess maybe I'll root for New Mexico State if I have to root for one of the lower seeds. I probably ain't going anywhere. Well, I, I have Loyola. Loyola. <laughs> Loyola. You know what? That, that's, too, that's, that's too hard. Layola. That's too hard to say. Layola. I, I got one more, Layola. Justin. Layola. Yes. Well, I, I, let me, I, say, okay. let me say mine because okay. you'll probably take mine again. Uh, God dang This is another one. Hard to say. St. Bonaventure. Was that yours? <laughs> no, it wasn't. No, no, no. My, my other one was Murray State. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think the fact that I – I have disrespect for the Big 12. I, I have West Virginia slightly overrated. Those 12 seeds always usually pull it out. And uh, for any Game of Thrones watchers, there is a there is a car- uh, player for, uh, for Murray State named Jonathan Stark. The North remembers. And I think that he's one of the best players in college basketball. He's kind of that guy from a small school that no one's heard of, but um, who could end up playing the NBA. I think screw the Big 12. West Virginia gets upset. Um, go Murray State. And that's our only nerd talk for tonight. Derek, <laughs> go ahead. I actually wanted to go with Providence. I just don't think they can get past North Carolina in the second round. 
Yeah, I think That's they fair. got a hell of a team. I think they'll, I think they'll beat A and M. That's fair. Uh, all right. Uh, easiest road to the final four. So which number one, one seed, seed, number one seed has the easiest road to the final four? Let's uh, start with you, Derek. Oh, this was kind of a toss-up. Like I was watching ESPN today, listening to kind of what they were saying, and I totally disagreed at first because they were kind of. One of them mentioned Kansas as having one of the easiest routes, and I'm like, really? They got Michigan State and they got Duke, but they only have to get past one of those teams. So, but I still think that's a little tougher than what Villanova's got to go through. I think Villanova's got probably the easiest route to the Final Four. Really? Okay. Uh... Tyler? I, I'm with you, Derek. I, I think Villanova has the easiest road. Apparently, the Big Ten sucks, so Purdue must not be a factor in this equation. Uh, and and I know the Big 12 is overrated because teams like Oklahoma can get in with, like, <laughs> barely winning any damn games. So they play, like, three Big 12 teams in that bracket. I, I But I think Villanova is a good team. I, I don't see another contender in that conference. I think Purdue is a good team. I think they were a little underwhelming, um, and in some points of the season when I watch them, following them fairly closely. I, so I think Villanova's got the easiest road. They were my number two. I had Virginia actually. I, I liked really? the yeah. Wow. I like the matchups that Virginia had ultimately down the line. I, they're going to be deep into it by the time that they're going to be facing anything, you know, anything tough. Well, really? let's flip, let's flip it to the hardest one because uh, I'm going to take the lead on this one. I'm just calling out. I think Virginia's got the toughest road. Um, I, I I don't think that that second round matchup Creighton K State's a gimme. Then they're going to play either Kentucky or Arizona. That's gonna and be both tough, of those are that's those are two damn good teams. Um, I mean, I, obviously Davidson could pull an upset, and then I think Cincinnati is a pretty good two seed. I think outside of Duke, I think they're the best two seed out there. Um, they won 30 damn games. I, I think that's the toughest road. I, I definitely don't think the NCAA did them any favors whatsoever. I mean, Kansas gets to play in Wichita. Uh, I mean, all, all, everybody gets to play somewhere around their area, except for, for, except for Virginia, who I think their closest games like in Atlanta or some bullshit like that. And uh, but but I think Xavier's actually got the absolute toughest road to go yep. through, having to play Missouri, or, or you know have a chance to play Missouri possibly, and even if they get past Missouri, they're going to play the winner of the of what I would say probably the Ohio State Gonzaga, and even if they manage to get that far, they're going to face the winner of Michigan and North Carolina. That's a that's a daunting way to get to the Final Four. Yeah, and Michigan's playing some lights out basketball. They are. Michigan could be one of those teams that could be sitting in the final four. They could, if they can get past Carolina. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, again, I have Xavier as the the toughest road travel. I mean, that, that bracket there, that's going to be exciting to watch. Hey, uh, I, w- I want to ask you guys something. As I didn't met, mention this as a uh, uh, Cinderella team, but – what about South Dakota State over Ohio State? Is that a game that you kind of would kind of take? I, I don't know. I, I will. I will. I will segue this to say one thing that I have always wanted to do is go to Vegas 
for March Madness is sit and just bet on games the whole day. And this is a game that I don't know what the spread is. I'm going to guess Ohio State's a favorite, but that's a game I may throw, throw a 10 spot on South Dakota State because I think that, that that is a shot for an upset. Um, I mean, obviously the Big Ten sucks because the fourth best team can't even make the tournament. So <laughs> let it uh, go. <laughs> so so I mean so I mean I guess South Dakota State should be favored. Yeah, I will never let it go. Let's let it go. All right. Uh, final question to, about basketball. Uh, your favorite to win it all. Who do you like to win it all? I'm there. gonna. S- Oh, go ahead, Tyler. You want it? I'm sorry. All right. I uh, I was gonna save my answer until because I don't want to give anyone an advantage against me in the March Madness pool, hosted oh. by HuskerHype.com. So yes, I'm gonna say, I'm going to save my answer because I want to win that glory. That jersey is okay. gonna look really nice on somebody. I'll be in last yeah. place. So for all the listeners out there that don't know what Tyler's talking about. We never do anyway, but huskerhype.com is throwing an awesome bracket challenge, completely free, and the winner will get a Nebraska basketball jersey. It's a kick-ass jersey, free to play, CBS Sports. Go to huskerhype.com for all of the uh, for all the info on it. There you go. Yeah, there you go. That's a, that's they, a tough They have a link that takes you directly to the CBS Sports uh tournament pick a bracket and it's really easy to do but a big shout out to john swedland man he he kicked ass when he put this together so get out there compete for it see if you can beat the husker hype staff the cousins and win that jersey uh all right we got to talk about football because it's not a husker Cuzcast podcast without a little bit of football now scott frost went on to sports nightly last week last wednesday to talk to greg sharp did an hour-long interview it was an awesome interview they had call-ins from all the fans it was awesome uh what are some of the things that stood out to you i want to start with you derek well first off i think you have a tape of your uh, awesome conversation there because Listening to the fans call in, I don't know if they were most of them were nervous or just morons, but they did not do a good job on the call-ins. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was almost nice agonizing listening to some of them. Sorry, nice sorry if any of them were our listeners, but it was terrible. Uh, Scott Frost did a good job, I guess. I, uh, there, there were a lot of good uh, takes out of what he was what he talked about. I mean, we'll get into probably quite a few of them here, but tell her overall thoughts. I mean, Scott Frost is one of us. I, I think that when you hear him talk, I mean, the guy is a Nebraskan fan. I mean, I think, you know, for so many years, we've been hearing that we need to get away from the Osborne era and the Osborne philosophies and move to the modern era. And obviously, Frost brings that with the system he runs. But, I mean, just listening to the way he talks, like, Cousin Patrick is out there just nerding out, like, of all the talk about unity council and power program. And it, 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 he's hitting those keywords. Damn right. Yeah. He, he knows what to say. Uh, some of the things that stuck out to me, uh, you know, he threw a little bit of the comedy there, uh, you know, with the biggest loser comment, you know, how the bodies are changing. You know, that was, that was a great way to lead off the podcast or the, the, the interview. Uh, but 
what are your thoughts on things that he put out, like such as uh, official visits for the spring game? You know, he he didn't want to waste any official visits for the spring game. What, Derek? What do you think I'll, about that? I'll gladly take that. I kind of think this is a little bit of a mistake. Like the NCAA allowed changed this rule what two years ago, I believe it was, where they started allowing official visits earlier in the year. And he doesn't want to use any of them. I I think the earlier you get some of these kids to Nebraska, the better off you are. I mean, I get what he's saying about getting them to the game, getting them to this environment, and really getting them to see it. But what what more does it say about the fans when you sell out a spring game that nobody gives two shits about? Well, not only that, you sell out a spring game so bad and so quick – that you're thinking about putting together another spring <laughs> spring practice for the rest of the fans that can't make it. Tyler, get in on this. Uh, I I with Derek. I, I would have. I'd want to load that um, the college. The only thing I can think about is this isn't a long term strategy. This is him not really having a good ground on 2019 and their recruiting strategy, and him being like, okay, let's take a step back and uh, evaluate some of these kids from afar, but. I, I mean, Derek's right. I, I mean, that atmosphere is going to be lit. It is going to be intense. Um, but I, I would say that's generally a missed step unless you don't really have a good recruiting strategy for 2019 yet. Uh, he went on to talk about a practice philosophy where he's going to be practicing in the morning instead of uh, in the uh, afternoon. And he gave some great reasons for it. You know, kids aren't going to oversleep for practice. You know, they're going to make that. And, you know, testosterone is a lot more active there in the morning. I have no idea what that is. But uh, so what do you guys think about the practice philosophy? You on board, yeah. Tyler? Yeah. I mean, first of all, Justin, you talking about having high testosterone or any testosterone is pretty funny because – we know where you sit on that equation, but uh, especially when he's trying to lower his voice for it. <clears throat> um, <laughs> you know, the the thing that I got out of this interview, and I think one of the things that I recommend all Husker fans listening is when Scott Frost talks about a plan or action, it, it is thought out. There, there is a reason behind it. I don't know if it's better to practice in the morning or afternoon, but Frost has given this a lot of damn thought and he has a philosophy of why he wants to do this. And, and for people that haven't heard the interview, it has to do with not letting the kids get in trouble, the testosterone, the way to start the day. Um, and, and so kids aren't sleeping in for classes because they're not going to sleep in for practice because there's consequences. Everything Scott Frost is doing has a purpose and that's, and that's awesome to see Except for the fact that he's not allowed official visit for spring practice. Well, we, we, don't, know, we don't know his complete reason on that. We, to be fair, the, I, I, I just don't know. I don't get that. But <laughs> Derek. So we have to keep in mind, these are 18 to 22-year-old kids. Now, Justin, you were in the Army just like I was. And I'm not going to try and compare what we did for PT in the Army to a workout to what these guys do. Because it's nowhere near the same. These guys work out 10 times harder than what we did in the Army. But this working out early in the morning to keep kids out of trouble, I'm not so sure that works because it didn't keep any of the Army guys out of trouble. We stayed up drinking until 2 in the morning and went on five-mile runs the next day. It didn't seem to stop us at all. So I don't yeah. know that it really has an effect on keeping the kids out of trouble, but I think it's a good theory at least. 
Well, I, I think I think the difference is is with some of these college kids. I don't know if Frost is worried about the two a.m. parties. I think he's worried about the five a.m. parties. And, and I think when you start skipping class, and that's a deterrent. But I mean, but it's very thought out. And God bless Scott Frost for trying to help the youth. That's that's fair. Uh, you, t- you already talked about the Unity Council a little bit. You touched on that, Tyler. Do you want to add any more to that? Well, I mean, what Scott Frost said, and, and I thought this was really I, a unique perspective, is that you know, obviously Unity Council, which was uh, pioneered by Jack Stark back in the day with Tom Osborne, um, it, it was a huge part of leadership on campus. But, you know, and you would think an alumni, a guy that flees Nebraska, this is going to be one of his first things to do is to – put this back in place, but that's not his stance. He he wants to make sure that the, the players are bought into what he brings to the table. He wants to get the right culture. This is a long-term plan for him, but I one thing I gathered from the interview is he's got a couple long-term plans in Notion there, and Unity Council is one of them, but he's not bringing that back this year. Yeah. Derek? I had nothing to offer on that. It was interesting to listen to him talk about it. At the end of the day, I didn't. Yeah, I mean it's it's cool to that. That's one of the cool things about Osborne to bring back. But at the end of the day, that's the off the field stuff that I don't try to worry about as much. There was something else that he brought up, and I'm really hesitant to bring it up right now because I think this could be ultimately later down the road. This could be a podcast in the in of itself. But what it had to do with is uh, the proposed one of the ideas that the NCAA is batting around is allowing freshmen to play four games uh, in a season and not affecting redshirt status. Uh, so I'll approach this lightly. I'll just put it this way. I agree with Scott Frost. It's okay. a good rule. The, the transfer rule I don't like. The other one's good. We can move on yeah. after that. Okay. Or Tyler? I, I don't know if I agree with Scott Frost. I think that that is a pretty big game changer to way coaches is. And then people that don't know what the rule states, I guess I'll tell Justin in case people don't know, it would allow freshmen to play four games and not below the red shirt. Currently, I think it's at six quarters. Um, am I right on that, guys? Is it six quarters or is it two? I don't even think it's six quarters. I the, the, there's uh, whatever it is. Uh, fact check us, somebody. But uh, I, I think it depends on the red shirt you're trying to get. If you're trying to get a medical red shirt, I think it might be six quarters. Yeah, six. I, I think fresh, it's, if, if it, but if it's a freshman trying to red shirt. It's one play because they, you cause they the could field. if they because they could have brought Jebby in last year, but they didn't want to burn his red shirt. Because if he put yeah. one one play, he's done. That, that, I think I think that's right. I think that's medical red shirt I'm thinking about. But but regardless of which, I, I just think that that would be such a drastic change uh, to the rules that would allow coaches to mess around with. Let, let me let me just add this, and I don't want to. I know we don't want to get into this, but I think with all these players wanting to sit out bowl games, I think this is a great rule. Yeah, absolutely. What, why? Because it allow you to play some freshmen. Absolutely, get some experience. Games. Get some experience yeah. with these guys. Because if the guys that are going to go pro don't want to play, why not let the kids play? Why not let the red shirts play? I mean, four ga- four games is so much though. And for the SEC, when they're playing those Division two schools and NAIA schools, you know that eleventh week of the season, you know. Just chalk it up and just load up all those uh, true freshmen, you know? Yeah. I, and, the, and, you, and you can go out there 
and if you have a depth problem, you could throw a guy out there for one or two weeks, and I, I just, I, I just, it just really drastically affects how we would look at coaching these players. All right. That's enough on that topic. Yeah. Uh, Derek, what else stood out to you that uh, Scott Frost said? There was was two things. I'm going to kind of hit both of them in the same topic here a little bit. But, uh, you know, he talked at the very beginning of the interview, he talked about hitting the reset button and every player's got a chance to play. And uh, another guy came out and asked him about uh, the offensive line, and he was talking about moving offensive linemen and bringing the five best players in. And But, you know, th- is this coach talk? I mean, isn't this the same thing we heard last year? I mean, I want to believe Scott Frost. I truly do. But I haven't seen us play a game yet. So, but So is this just coach talk? Because I'm pretty sure Kavanaugh moved some guys around saying he was going to play the five best players too. And we all know how well that worked out. No, he, he did. He played the five best guys. He just didn't have him coached up very well. <laughs> There's a difference, Tyler. I think that is coach talk. I mean, it is very easy to sit and say you're going to play the best five guys. I will say, as a former offensive lineman, there are different skill sets between center to tackle. It's not so simple just to say, well, he's the five strongest guy. I just I, I don't know it's what that means. for a quarterback to sit back and talk about the offensive line, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's – okay, so the guy is a, the second-best tackle, but that doesn't mean he's the best center. I don't know how you judge that unless you play at positions. I I, I think he's going to play the best players at the available position. I, I don't know what that means, five best guys. Derek, was there something else you wanted to add? Yeah, well, I, I don't I, – there was one other thing that he brought up that – I, and this is another one I think we got to keep a little short, but he was talking about uh, Patrick O'Brien and Tristan Jibia being capable of running this offense because you don't need to be a 4-4 quarterback. Yeah. You just need to run effectively. And if you, and my whole thing was, like, if you watched uh, Milton, Mackenzie Milton, whatever his name is, uh, from last year, everyone talks about what a great quarterback he was. And he was a really good quarterback, but if you watch him run, he wasn't overly fast. He was a very smart runner. kind of reminded me of Russell Wilson. Who he wasn't gonna he wasn't a burner he wasn't gonna outrun a lot of people, but he knew when to run and knew where his lanes were, and he was just smart with the ball. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the the, the million dollar question is quarterback going into fall camp. Who is gonna lead the depth chart? Um, and and I I don't know that answer. And I think that that he alluded to at least put some fans at ease because I think a lot of fans are expecting that if you're going to run the Scott Frost offense, you need to be a burner. But you know, he went through the quarterbacks he's had and even a guy like Marcus Mariota, who you could argue ran the Scott Frost offense better than anyone who's ever ran it. Um, you know, he, he wasn't the, he didn't run for a thousand yards. He wasn't that type of guy. Um, but I think, think the, a I do think he undersold the importance of mobility in his offense. And I think that is a huge factor of what he's going to look for. Um, but I think he is going to ultimately play the best guy who has the best feel of the offense going into the uh, fall. Tyler, what else stood out to you from that interview? Well, gosh, we, we pretty much hit every segment of his interview. But, um, you know, the, the, the last thing, and, and we've alluded to this, um, you know, he ended the interview uh, talking about how Bo Pelini did a lot of things really well at Nebraska. 
And, and he didn't say anything about the previous staff. He didn't say he, he was very coy about that. And he gave praise to Bo. And, 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 uh, and rightfully so. It's hard to really praise a lot this old staff has. But it just... It, he just continues to throw this little bit of shade on Mike Riley. And I, I've yet to hear him mention Mike Riley's name in an interview. And <laughs> and he, he, he has not said one good thing about him. He just throws these little shade. And I just thought that was kind of a nice little dig about how Bo Pelini did a lot of good things at Nebraska and how, you know, just, we were one. He just of, couldn't get over the hump. He just couldn't get over. Yeah. All, which, which was the truth. I mean, but, but it's just, it's, Funny to me that I, I let it go. I mean, I, Frost needs to quit talking about old coaching staffs. Like, oh my god, we're still talking he, about old coaching staffs. Are you kidding me? I don't want to be. I don't want to be. I want to let my. You're the one go. that brought what? up the old coaching staff. Well, that's because you guys took literally every other aspect of this damn interview. I had nothing else to talk about. <laughs> You know what, what? What is there to say good about Mike Riley? He's a nice guy. Say he's a nice guy. Like, I mean, <laughs> like, I, I just, well, and, and I don't know why you go out of your way to praise Bo Pelini. Like, that, that's the thing that just is like, like, why why not go praise Bill Callahan? You know, Bill Callahan built some pretty nice things. Here. Like, what the hell is the point of moving up a coach two coaches ago? Like, unless you're throwing shade at the previous staff. Like, there is nothing else that can be gained. And there wasn't even a question about previous staffs. He brought that up amongst himself. It's like, oh, yeah, Bo Plea did some good things here without being prompted. It, it was obvious what he was going for. Uh, all right. We'll leave it at that for there. Uh, but it's time for last call, guys. Derek, last call to you. Oh, we're going to skip baseball. All right. Uh, since we're going to skip baseball, let's get into some baseball. Jake Arrieta signed a three-year, $75 million deal with the Philadelphia Phillies after turning down a seven-year, $118 million deal with the Cubs. Uh, I hope the best for the guy. I Good luck. Unless you're playing the Cubs, I hope you give up 10 home runs every time. <laughs> Tyler? You know, not much in life do I think Philadelphia is an upgrade. But way to upgrade your life, buddy. Way to get out of Chicago and go to Philly. Well, as a Cubs fan myself, you know, I was sad to see it was sad to see uh, Arietta leave and especially go to uh, Philadelphia. But you knew he was going to stick around in the National League, Derek, because he had too damn good of a bat as a pitcher. He could sw- he could swing that bat. He he loved a bat. So uh, good luck to him, except against the Cubs. Last call to you, Tanner. Uh, semi-breaking news. Uh, A.J. Bush is, appears to be transferring from Virginia Tech to Illinois. Um, A.J. Bush, for people that don't remember, was a player in Nebraska, a guy that probably would be looking really good right now at the potential to play under the Scott Frost system if he had been el- eligible. It's kind of hard to tell with um, <laughs> some it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to tell with some of the um, academics, but I, I think for Illinois, when you look at Lovey Smith, who has really struggled being five and nineteen in his time there, I think he may have found his quarterback that can help him uh, win some games in Illinois. God, I hope it's not against Nebraska. I really Amen. hope it's not. Derek. I hope we knock his dick in the dirt. 
<laughs> you can't say that on the radio. <laughs> Who gives a shit? No one's listening anyway. <laughs> All right, last call to me. Tiger Woods. I brought it up a couple of weeks ago. I'm bringing it up again. Tiger Woods at uh, Valspero in, uh, in Florida. And second place finish, shot a minus nine on the cusp of tying it there at the end. Derek, he makes Sundays great again, right? He does, but the biggest winner of Sunday, Valspero, which is apparently a painting product that I did not know until Sunday. Wow, good job. Tyler? I learn something new every day. Uh, I did. <laughs> Tiger's back. I mean, he, Twitter was alive and ready for Tiger to make a run for it. Good for Tiger Woods to play well. I'm looking forward to see if he can do anything in the Masters. I want to throw a quick shout-out to my mom. Only because she hates Tiger Woods. And I think she's the only person that I know that hates Tiger Woods. <laughs> so. his, his ex-wife may hate him. Okay, two people. Two people. <laughs> she, she did beat the crap. I'm trying to run him over with an SUV. But, hey, yeah. water under the bridge. Water under the bridge. And yes, Justin, Sundays are way better when Tiger is golfing well. All right, let's get out of here, guys. All right, you know what to do. Follow us on uh, Twitter, at HuskerCuzCast. Like us on Facebook. Be sure to check out HuskerHype.com for all the greatest. And be sure you get in there for the bracket challenge and win that jersey. Try to take it away from Derek. Yeah, he's well, not finished. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'll, I'll, I'll give a shout-out to anybody who could get lower than me. <laughs> that's tough that's tough right there hey hey guys we'll be back next week so uh we'll see you later and as always go big red